0: Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. It's a great day. Jake, how are you feeling, dude? Doing well, doing well. Loving life. We are here with Dr. Trey Cox, and we are talking all about felt needs. Felt needs. The church should be about meeting felt needs, and the community will not know the love of Jesus unless we meet them where they're at. So this is our topic for today, to serve as a front door toward your discipleship journey as a leader in the local church.
1: And we're here with Trey Cox, the Christ Greenfield Family Life Development Director. And Trey, you oversee our small group ministry, our week Care ministry, and um, really people development on a variety of different levels. You've been a member at Christ Reinfeld for 20 plus years. Yeah,
2: 26, but, I think, 26 years. I have to do the math. I'm not real good at that. I've
1: had a lot of different roles <laughs> as a leader in the community that then serves in the church. And you've seen a lot of different felt needs out there. You've seen Gilbert and the East Valley grow. And when you add more people, there's really more needs. So what is it? Why is it so important for the church to, in your mind, intentionally meet felt needs? Well,
2: Jesus is the answer. Mm-hmm. What's the question? It, you're, you're saying felt needs and what, where should people go to get those met? Christ, that's the answer. And if the church doesn't step in, then where are they gonna look? They're gonna look at places that are not gonna be fulfilling and it's not gonna give them what they're actually seeking and people, places, things, Job, all those different things they they seek out just aren't going to be fulfilling and, and give them what they need. It's got to be the church.
0: Yeah. So how do we determine the felt needs? We are right outside, just going to call it out. If you hear something in the background, they're working on the lawn. The world is okay. not falling apart. Yeah, we're good, we're good. Hopefully they're done quick. So how do we go about determining the felt needs in the community, tray?
2: Well, one way you could just, Go with gut feeling and trying to figure out what those are, but I'm I'm a statistician, mathematician, and uh, using both qualitative, quantitative data. Qualitative would be, what do you see that's going on in the world, and what are different uh, demographics that we would see in Gilbert and East Valley, and and we we collect data from, is it GLUE? The organization we get data from, and just mid-30s, married, kids, in each community, you have to figure out what those things are by both hard data and, and just what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. and where, where can we step in and talk, talk about and help them? Amen.
1: What, are, what are some of the felt needs that you have seen then in uh, Gilbert Arizona in our context?
2: Well, what we've kind of ended up at is we're good with alliteration here. At Christ Greenfield, we've got uh, faith, family, finance, fitness, and friends actually and in each of those areas, we have different people that are very passionate about stepping into those things. Um, faith, for instance, we in Gilbert and Mesa is a very highly Mormon influenced community. And I, I know Deacon Tom Lully just the other day was saying, I, I really wanna help people know how to deal with their Mormon friends. So we've we just got a lot of different avenues that we can plug people into. Um, and that's that's kind of what we're stepping into. And it- Finance FPU right right FPU
0: uh, we've done grief share so yep. uh, divorce care divorce care a number of different classes that are short so tell us some stories of like life transformation someone that comes into what we title as CG cares Christ Greenfield cares mm-hmm.
2: and then it's a front door into a deeper relationship with Jesus you just mentioned too that that are very recent I, I've got a lot of different stories I could tell but with divorce care, Lori Blomker and, and Rob Galenis lead that and do a great job. And just in their last class that ended this spring, there were a, a couple ladies that Lori became friends with and and just got to know their stories and encouraged them to come to worship. And they, they came to worship at Christ Greenfield for Easter Sunday and Lori wow, met them there cool. and attended worship with them. So that <laughs> was great. Uh, I know Ron and Vicki and FPU have... have Done a lot of uh, reaching out to the community and, and bring people in and and I know they've also uh, had people come into worship through through FPU. Mm.
1: So a church like ours, we have worship going on, we have small groups, we have service opportunities, and then there's a CG carriage. You just listed a lot of different classes. Right. Are, mm-hmm. Is someone designed to stay in that class forever? like hang out in FPU their whole life? Um, Or is that a a method to get them more plugged into those other main key
2: things of discipleship? Well, probably the best way to answer that is to tell a really uh, wonderful story that's actually unfolding right now. And that is... uh, Would
1: you tell a wonderful story that's unfolding right now? Do we have time for one? That'd be amazing.
2: But... uh, so Will and Michelle Hansen were in a small group and, and they felt led to, to start their own. And at that time, the 80s bash that we've had several times date night, which is just a wonderful experience. There were some workers that uh, Michelle had, some colleagues at work in, in nursing that she felt that both of them and their husbands would really enjoy attending. And about four years ago, they came to the first one and they, they had just a great time around uh, Christ Greenfield, couples enjoying themselves and, and Will and Michelle invited them into a small group that they were starting. And uh, also at that uh, point, when we offered the resolution for men, Will invited the two of the guys to attend that. And so they've been uh, involved in our resolution study and then Will and Michelle also invited them to worship, and they've been coming to, to worship too. So it's it's like an onboarding process that we're, that we're hoping for, not just go into a class and, and then just fade away.
0: So you work with all of our CG Care class leaders, our teachers, to say this is not the end game, right? Right. That there is more, not just worship, but then a small group. And our small yeah. groups, we have some kind of starts and stops. Will you talk a little bit? Cause you oversee CG Cares and then moving into small groups.
2: So what does that look like a little bit more uh, well, deeply? Those of us that lead these Bible studies or, or need focused classes, we, we pour our heart and soul into that. We build relationships with people and, and we don't really want them just to fade away and, and flounder. Mm-hmm. So what we've added to it is the onboarding into the, the simple discipleship process. So worship, small groups, and serving. And uh, just having that relationship between the two and knowing when I teach a class that I'm not just trying to fill that need just short term, but to get them plugged into community. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we're hoping to do. And it's, it's actually working really well.
0: I was listening to a podcast just yesterday. You turned me on to this uh, three years ago, Albert Moeller, right? And, and talking about how the New Yorker uh, had an article about the sliding sexual ethic and how the Burgerfeld ruling um, same-sex marriage back in 2015, now the conversation is about polygamy and polyamory. Uh, so not polygamy is almost in our culture, in the New Yorker, seen as more conservative than, than polyamory, which is you can choose any, uh, any partner you want, you know, same sex, opposite, whatever. You can have as many as you want. And then kind of the family is, is being just beat down. The biblical right. definition of the family is just getting uh, annihilated right now in our culture. So what is the church's role in, in providing a, a place for protection and really just
2: a biblical ethic? Right. I mean, in our culture, you're not going to get the biblical worldview. So if you're not, a church is not offering support, classes, onboarding into to family relationship with other couples and, and uh, just to people that believe in Scripture, you're not going to get that culture. Yeah. It's, it's just not there. So definitely the church needs to step up and speak into those areas and show what, what God's Word says about them.
1: Yeah, and into small groups is that opportunity to be fine-tuned and rounded out and aligned toward the biblical worldview. So kind of for the leader out there that might be thinking, how does my church implement small groups? What's really the philosophy undergirding um, small groups? How do they measure? How do they keep accountable toward the mission of what a small group is? Because a lot of people might say, well, that's just a Bible study yeah, you know that's a Bible study going on, and we have plenty of Bible studies. What's the difference between those things?
2: well, it's it's that's a great question because it's really important to to know the difference between a Bible study and a small group, and and they're both amazing. They're both very important, but they serve different needs. So the way i way I differentiate them is a Bible study really is about your own personal edification and not saying that in a negative way, but building your faith and growing in knowledge of God's Word, which is awesome but a small group is getting around other people that you're actually living life together with. You're relying upon one another, you're, you're building long-term relationships and, and going deep. If, uh, if you have something going on, when, I should say not if, but when something happens in your life that is, is a challenge, you've got people around you that, that can come and, and assist, um, it's just really that next level of long-term commitment. So here's other. a
1: case in point example, and then talk us through more of the philosophy. There's a, a long standing Bible study, maybe on one of these pastors listening to their campus. There's let's just say a hundred people, maybe the pastors leading it. It's like the pastor's study. How would they analyze, like, is that a Bible study or how could they grow into more of a small group? You know, what, how did, is there a purposes behind then that small group?
2: Right, well, we've, we've got, there's five different principles that we're hoping our small groups will in, in, integrate into their, their meeting times and their, the time that they meet together. Uh, worship, which we, we want them to worship together at Sunday services, obviously, but also within their small group. And, and we've actually integrated that into our, our takeaways that we provide people to, to use as their study guides. We've got uh, worship in, integrated into that. Uh, fellowship, which is naturally gonna happen. Uh, ministry, which go out and serve as a group together. And and evangelism, go out and, and try to tell other people about Christ. So it's, it's actually the whole, uh, just encompasses all those different areas, not just focusing on, on biblical knowledge.
1: Yeah, so that study could then Morph into more of what you're saying as a small group. Oh yeah, kind of clicking away at those five, including discipleship to see life on life and ministry mm-hmm. and service to one another as a as a small group.
2: Yeah, the size of the quote unquote small group doesn't really matter because even if you had a larger group, you can what we call subgroup mm-hmm. and have different uh, subsections of your group meet together and have a leader lead that. And
1: that's probably one thing that a lot of pastors out there have maybe even inherited this larger Bible study. But to to break down even on a Sunday morning or wherever they're meeting into groups of five, Mm -hmm. like that'd be easier to have an actual conversation about the content to apply it to your life in five or four or two or whatever
0: than a hundred people in a room. We've talked a lot about our collaborative sermon approach Um, and we look, especially in the Pentecost season right now, pretty much that we're recording this in the summer, the next six months, we're doing a lot of sermon series based around felt needs. And so you kind of mentioned in passing takeaway, how does that kind of main theme then get driven or an invitation at least for our small groups?
2: So we, we do write the sermons together in a big team and, and put our minds together on what I was saying earlier, trying to figure out what felt needs are. Once we have that, that sermon, I actually take that and write discussion questions that the small group can can dig deeper into what the sermons topics was so there's a series of eight to ten questions that the group can can dig into and then there's a section for the for the youth the kids that they can bring in and, and talk about and then at the end is a, a devotional that they can focus on the rest of the week so and then takeaway with ed lamb is a basically 12 to 18
0: minutes depending on how long it goes right deeper dive some small groups could actually look at that hear that conversation cuz it's focused totally on the small group experience right. and then use your then use
2: your questions that that's what our small group does we watch that, that interview with the preaching pastor and Ed which I mentioned earlier there's worship at the end of that with the words on the screen so if you want to sing along with that you can and then we dig into the, the questions that we provide. It's That's awesome.
1: I was meeting with our youth ministry team, NextGen team yesterday, and they, they have this idea that they could provide a five-minute video for the kids mm. to really experience that is very branded toward, you know, you go to Disneyland, it's all about Mickey Mouse. You know, like, what is the brand uh, also of that five-minute experience where the kids would be engaged and want to really lean in as the adults are leaning into the same big idea?
0: So I think biblical hospitality, theological hospitality for folks that are young in their faith as biblical worldview, as biblical literacy continues to decline, we need to be as hospitable as possible. And so going simple as a church is a big, big deal, the clear next step. Okay, what are you inviting me into? But if you're, you're part of a church that's been around for any number of years, unless it's a brand new church plant, you're gonna have some sort of history, ministries that have been there for a long, long time. And so going simple can be a challenge. Would you speak to us about some of those challenges, Trey?
2: Well, you you can, it's almost like taking a shotgun approach. If you have all these, and we were there not too long ago, we had a lot of different classes offered. We didn't really have a plan how this fit together. It's taken a lot of work, but just kind of reiterating what I said earlier, if if you take all these felt needs, you offer classes, courses, gatherings to, to address those, then, don't just send them off hoping that they're gonna be able to figure it out. They gotta have the church, they have to have small groups that they can try those things out together and support mm-hmm. and encourage, challenge one another. So I would just say, you don't necessarily need to to stop offering these, it just needs to be within a framework that the people leading them know what the goal is. Yeah. It's not only the six weeks, it's a lifetime. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that we're offering the videos and, and things for kids because the parents are the ones that are supposed to be teaching the kids. And we wanna give them tools to do that, yeah. mm-hmm. come alongside them.
1: So one thing I don't wanna miss is if a church out there is like, okay, I'm gonna identify my three things for discipleship. We wanna live in that sweet spot, get everyone into that. But then they wanna start this CG Cares ministry maybe with their felt needs of, they really think people need help on marriage. Um, they need help with finances and they want to run an alpha class because people don't know about faith. How how does the group leader, what tool do, do you equip them with to really measure that class as far as uh, there's 15, or let's just say 10 people in the class. Yeah. How do they know what next step each of the 10 need to take? Where are we at with that?
2: That's that's very important because if you really care about the, they all care about the people in their class. So what we've been doing is asking the leader of the class to give a survey. It's like literally two minute survey yeah, that they can do on their phone or on their laptop that answers questions about where, where their heart is in terms of serving others. And, and we have data, uh, to to provide the leader of attendance, habits. Are they worshiping, are they not? And then that leader can have a one-on-one conversation with them and, and just help them see what their next steps are in terms of serving or worship, or if they're not in a small group, get them connected to that. So beautiful. we give them that data to do that. It's
0: beautiful. You're a gift, man. Um, if folks wanna reach out to you, I know the Christ Greenfield Family of Ministries is here to support you in whatever it is that you're walking through. And I know you have a lot of conversations with folks. So tcox at cglchurch.org. We'll put that uh, in, the, in the notes, uh, Tcox at cglchurch.org. Last question, you're a tenured professor at Chandler Gilbert Community College, uh, a mathematics professor, how many years
2: now? Since 2000, so 22 years. And 35, because I had 14 years of teaching high school math. So a lot of years
0: seeing our culture Mm. change Mm -hmm. radically in those 20 years. What is the biggest cultural trend
2: that's causing you to pray fervently for wisdom that only comes from Jesus? There's actually two things that come to mind. One is, and a lot of people would probably be surprised at this because I get this question a lot, and that is, are the students just that much different now? What's going on with them? And my response is, they haven't changed in 35 years. (laughs) They really are the same. They have different problems they have to deal with, but they're just as motivated or not motivated. It's not changed. The, the biggest thing I'm struggling with right now, being a Christian in a secular college, is I understand that that their felt need, meaning my college colleagues and students, is societal peace and harmony. I understand that because we need it, and it's a good good goal to have. Hmm. But what frustrates me is the approach they take is cancel, shout down, ostracize, shame, vengeance. It's like... That's the total opposite of what needs to happen, because Christ's plan is the answer you know with with do unto others, as you would have them do unto you, forgive and and have grace for people and go the extra mile and it's like total opposite of what our world and higher education is doing so what I'm constantly fighting is. How do I speak into that in a winsome way that doesn't get their defenses up, but yet speaks truth? It's, it's not easy because I'm such a, people like me, such a small minority compared to the, the vast majority of people I run into that just don't get it because they wouldn't get it. They can't understand it. They don't, have, they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. They don't have the biblical knowledge. So yeah, it's a constant Constant battle and prayer that, that I can be used in a, in a way that will help them see the truth.
0: So basically, there used to be uh, more intentional spaces for diverse conversations, I kind of hear you saying. like Right now, there's just not a space for public
2: discourse around ideas that are diverse. It, it's, it's funny is not the word like haha ha funny, but it's odd that they preach tolerance and acceptance, but as soon as you speak about absolute truth, and not use that term, but there is absolute truth, and this is the way, you, you just get shouted down. You get shamed. You you don't get invited to those conversations. So it's like, why can't we have an honest conversation and, and put different worldviews out there? And and then you can decide, but they don't, even want, they don't
0: things, even want to hear it.
2: Did things get worse in the last year and a half with COVID? Yes. it That has... I said, the students haven't changed. They haven't, but this, con- this topic definitely has gotten worse. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm. So people need Jesus and the church
0: more than ever before. A place of unconditional love and care, grace, acceptance, and yet we stand on the truths of God's word. The,
2: the other challenge I have is I'm very competitive. So I'm gonna win when I have a conversation with someone and that's not gonna, that's not gonna achieve what you need. So I, I have to really watch how I say things because I get passionate when that's something I believe in. And that's fine, but if you go overboard, then people just shut down. So I have to, I have to fight that and, and ask for <laughs> wisdom on how to interact with people.
1: So a trending felt need around the country in the West then? especially on college campuses and places where people have not heard the biblical narrative, but they have heard things against it, would be stuff like faith classes for Alpha, where it's a loving environment, it's an accepting environment. You can believe whatever you uh, wanna believe to belong here. And we're presenting the gospel in a non-threatening way. And we'll, we will, even if you did reject that, we will be in a relationship with you. Yes. So uh, it's it's the time, leader, to figure out the felt needs in your area, get a team of people together and just simply go after it. As we close, I mean, I'm thinking of a couple of years ago, us coming back from a conference and just pulling all the millennials together and saying, we we don't know how to reach your, your segment of the population, even though we are millennials, but we're so churched. We're so in the in crowd. How do we go out there to, to reach others? Mm-hmm. And we've tried a lot of different things um, to uh, hit those felt needs. And it's a beautiful discovery process um, and empowering to to get different people involved so keep up the good work any final thoughts for our leaders out there I, I just think
2: those, those the people we're trying to reach want to have deep conversations so I guess building relationship understanding what those needs are and having a, a a conversation that you're listening and speaking into and not just dictating is gonna be the key.
1: And I will be here even if we yeah. disagree. I will continue to, to walk with you. And Jesus said it best, love one another. Yeah. So thanks for joining us on Lead Time. You're a leader that chose to grow today and we believe eternities are changed when a leader like you chooses to grow. So hats off to you, leaders are learners. And thanks for learning with Trey Cox here. Um, once again, he can be reached uh, online as well. And we'd love you to share this episode with someone that you know is a leader that needs to hear it because you care about felt
0: needs because you care about people. We'll see you next time. man. peace. Thanks, Trey. You rock, dude. Way to go. You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. You can subscribe on your favorite platform where you listen to podcasts or by visiting christgreenfield.church forward slash CGTV. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Friday for another episode of Lead Time.